America is live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside a very jovial Hercules Gomez, a very orange Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Herc, as always, good to be with you. We're coming to the good folks on Monday, June 27th after a weekend where not just MLS, Herc, but you're back you're back of the woods. Los Angeles was like the center of the transfer world, and I'm sure you were right in the middle of the mix. I was right in the middle of the mix, and thank you for noticing this very uh, elegant naranja that I'm wearing. Uh, clockwork orange, I'm sure you know all about that. You don't even know what I'm talking about. No, uh, you yeah. know why I don't? Because I'm so young. I'm so young. I don't even remember the 70s. You were probably born yeah. uh, back in the your, 70s. Let's your, get your to the hair dye is leaking. Let's let's get to the um, let's get to the present day. Huge show coming up. Uh, of course, the big news, obviously, Gareth Bale joining LAFC in Major League Soccer. We're going to talk to one of the gentlemen who was critical to that operation, John Thorrington, the GM of LAFC, is just seconds away from joining us here on the show. We're also going to have a one-on-one interview with Vladko Andonovsky. I spoke with him earlier in the day. We'll break that down. And speaking of national team managers, Herc, very interesting comments from Greg Berhalter on a recent appearance on the Gab and Jewel show. We will dive into those. Uh, But let's start with the news that shocked everybody early on Saturday morning. LAFC and Gareth Bale agreeing to a 12-month contract that'll keep the Welshman in Hollywood through next summer. There's an option, by the way, for the 2024 season. So that'd be an 18-month option on the back end of this contract. The 32-year-old joins LAFC as a free agent, more importantly, not as a designated player. He's going to occupy a TAM spot, so LAFC still has a DP spot to work with for what's left of the season. Uh, As for his resume, Bale is bringing it to LA. He's bringing those five Champions League titles and all the other trophies he won with Real Madrid and Spurs to LAFC, who right now are first in the Western Conference and first in the Supporters' Shield standings. Oh, by the way, his first game eligible to play for LAFC... It worked out perfectly. July 8th, El Tráfico against the Galaxy. And yes, it's on ESPN. We're thrilled to be joined now on Football Américas by one of the men responsible for bringing Gareth Bale to MLS. He is the general manager of LAFC. John Thorrington joining us on the show. I'm especially appreciative, John, for this time because at the rate you've been going, in the 10 or 15 minutes we're going to interview, you probably could have knocked out, what, another another signing or two? (laughs) Uh, <laughs> pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for having me. All right, so let's get into how you got this deal done. And for me specifically, I'm very interested in the beginnings. How's that initial contact? Is that LAFC knocking on Gareth Bale's door, or is it the other way around? So thankfully, Gareth's representation is a global group, and what happened almost immediately following Wales qualification for the World Cup, which was historic, and and we all know the story there, I got a message from the American representative of Stellar, Patrick McCabe, who asked if I was open to talking about Gareth Bale. And when you get a question like that, there's obviously only one answer. And so I had to go through MLS rules protocol to ensure there's a clear path that I could have a substantive conversation and honestly, things just picked up from there, developed very quickly. Obviously, it wasn't long ago when Wales qualified. His team, in conversation with them, as well as with Gareth himself, just got a lot of traction very early, and it, and it momentum built. And it was – negotiations aren't always linear, but this was one where with each step it looked more and more possible. But – I have to admit, until I saw his signature on the piece of paper, I wasn't—I ac- couldn't actually get myself excited enough to believe it would happen. But we're certainly grateful it did. <laughs> Giorgio Chiellini, Gareth Bale, both on TAM contracts. You deserve a medal, but I want you to focus right now on Gareth Bale. How on earth did you convince Gareth Bale to play for TAM money? Uh, that, that's insane to me. Yes, yeah, so I think... The conversation honestly didn't start and it didn't end with money. I think we all know and it's well publicized what he's earned and what he could earn, et cetera. And that I knew I wasn't going to win that battle. So that wasn't what the conversation was about. And frankly, that wasn't Gareth's motivation either. So I think the conversation largely was just a, uh, uh, us explaining what LAFC is filling in some of the gaps obviously he was aware where we are in our season how we saw him fitting in 
And then it was hearing from Gareth. What do you want in the next step of your career? What, what do you, what environment do you need to thrive in? And how do you feel like you are best managed to get the best out of your otherworldly talent like we're watching now? And, and it was combining those two things and realizing that this was the right fit. So it wasn't, it wasn't about money. It was just about opportunity. And I do think what we're talking about here is we weren't going to win the money argument. And thankfully that was not his priority, but what we do offer Garrett is a unique opportunity to come into an environment where we believe he will thrive. He'll be managed by a coach and a staff who understand what it's like to prepare for a world cup, who understand what it's like to manage his minutes, manage his load. Thankfully we have a really strong group already here where this isn't a desperate throw of the dice to try to turn our team around, but rather a complimentary piece that we will be able to utilize in a way that we think will get the best out of Gareth, which will mean the best for LAFC. John, it's a question that I think has flummoxed pundits all over the world. You know, what player is Gareth Bale today? He's 32 years old. That seems very much to me, at least, still very young. And we look at the recent minutes with Real Madrid, and there's not a lot of them. I think 280 minutes uh, in all of last season in league play. So what kind of player do you believe you're getting here? A player that just captained his country to a historic achievement in qualifying for the World Cup. And we've done all of our diligence. We've spoken to people that have worked with him, played with him, coached him. And we're very comfortable with the decision. And for us, as soon as it was a possibility, it was all systems go to try to make it happen. Obviously, we're aware of the minutes. We're aware of the, the physical, of where he's at physically and what he may need to be successful. But this guy's a thoroughbred racehorse. He's a Ferrari, whatever an, uh, analogy you'd like to use. And they need certain care and management in order to thrive and we believe we will be able to provide that for him. you talk about providing that for him there are naysayers out there pundits fans who have seen him maybe the last year in his club situation would say that he's not motivated when you're making the decision process does the motivational part come into it and, and how do you feel about gareth bell being motivated in major league soccer so herc i think we've had conversations over the we always ask why so we're not just about collecting players with names and winning press conferences. And critical to that is why LAFC? Why is this guy making this choice? And we connected directly with the player in a genuine way. And I think what I really loved about the process is everybody turned their cards over. And we basically said, this is LAFC. And Garrett said, well, this is what I need. And we found that match. I obviously do not question his motivation. Otherwise, we wouldn't make this decision. Neither does our coach, our ownership, all of whom spoke with Garrett. We have a high level of comfort that what in conversation, it was very clear he is very motivated. And frankly, naysayers say what they will. You do not do what this guy has done in the game without being a competitor. You don't do what he's done a few weeks ago in taking a country with that has had a lot of really good footballers in its time to a World Cup for the first time in however many decades. So for us, we have a high level of comfort that Gareth will come here. We'll put him in a position to thrive. He'll be extremely motivated to prepare for the World Cup. And the other thing is this wasn't just a six-month conversation. It was clear from the beginning that this is the next step of his career, not just prep preparing for a World Cup. Uh, John, you talk about not collecting pieces. So let's talk about the fit then, the on-field fit. How does Gareth Bale fit into this LAFC team? And specifically, how does an attack look with both Gareth Bale and Carlos Vela? Well, on paper, it looks great. I think now, the and, and, and the way we work here is very collaborative. So this isn't a decision made in one silo. It was a collaborative decision that everybody is incredibly excited about. And I think while I will leave the exact X's and O's up in Steve's capable hands along with his staff, what we see in Gareth is great tactical flexibility. He can play wide. He can play through the middle. And he's adapted his game as well. He's a very good passer. He's, a, he's, a, he's an underrated finisher. I think everybody sees what he can be like physically when he's healthy and, and what have you. I mean, this guy played left back earlier in his career. Surely that's not our intention, but he's a really highly intelligent footballer. And even when I hear these things, how he played 
this many games for Real Madrid. Name one player in our league who would have played even that many games for Real Madrid in the past year. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. You know, you spoke about uh, Carlos Vela uh, just recently about how He's the face of the franchise. He's the most important player in Major League Soccer. You said he's the best player when physically fit. I happen to agree with that. He is the best player when physically fit. It's just the last couple years, he's not shown the ability to stay fit or, or the production. Talk to me about the decision-making, the process behind extending him another year with LAFC. So we, obviously, being backstage, have full clarity as to why things have not gone exactly as they did in 18, 19, and then Champions League and what have you from for Carlos. I would push back a little bit by saying he's not been productive this year. And again, yesterday he 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 was instrumental in our in our first goal. So we we think with Carlos he had some injuries, but we think we're past that. And and I know what Carlos is like in the locker room every day and the type of players he thrives. Uh, or, or type of environment he thrives in, the type of players he enjoys playing with. And I think he and Bale will form an incredible partnership. They're both incredibly intelligent. They're tactically aware. They're flexible in how they can play. And so we, again, we think Gareth is a massive piece of what we're planning to do, but it's a complementary one to what we already have. And obviously Carlos is a cornerstone of what we've built thus far. It's been quite a transfer window. Uh, you got Bale, you got Vela extended. We haven't hardly mentioned Giorgio Chiellini. It's interesting because he of the three uh, big superstars now that you have is the oldest. And whenever we talk MLS and, and players come into the league, there's always this notion out there, especially globally, uh, about a retirement league. Um, how do you feel about that image and how do you feel these signings play into that if they do it all? Yeah, so as someone who spent the first half of my playing career and this commentary about MLS being a retirement league and maybe even then when I was back in the league, I actually think some of that is fair. I don't necessarily think it's fair anymore, but I think there were moments in time where maybe somebody could say that, but I think teams now understand what it takes to win in this league. Age obviously comes into it, being able to uh, stand up to the demands of travel, altitude, heat, etc. They're all a part of it, but for me, this is not anybody that knows Giorgio Chiellini. If he wanted to retire, he would retire. And he is an ultimate competitor. And we think that, in fact, what, what we will see in Giorgio is his ability to help our young guys develop. And so for us, again, similar to these other decisions, once the opportunity arose to get a player of his quality, his experience, his expertise, we think it's not made in isolation, but what will that do for the group? And I think if I'm just speaking about Giorgio, I think he'll make every single person, not just player, but every person in this organization better. All right, so we know you have Carlos Vela, we know you have Chicho Arango, Brian Rodriguez, you've already added Giorgio Chiellini and Gareth Bell. It sounds crazy to me, but you have a DP spot available. Uh, what type of player are you looking for, position, profile of player? So historically, we've, with one exception, spent our DP money in the attack. So I would still say it's likely there. Um, as you mentioned, we're aware of the incredible group we already have. So this does, for the first time, give us the luxury of maybe looking elsewhere. And we are excited by some of those options as well. But if I then start talking about center back, you would ask me the same question. If I'm talking about midfield, you'd probably say the same thing. So we are in a good position, and that's testament to Steve, the group. It's a phenomenal group of players. We've got a real team spirit, and there's um, a really positive environment here. And the last thing we want to do is upset that. But if, as you mentioned, we have the opportunity to do it, if the right player and opportunity comes along, we are in a position to make that investment but we will only do it if we think it will help our team take another step forward towards winning. John, let's talk expectations here. Right now, you're, you're first in the Western Conference, you're first in the Supporter Shield, and you just added Gareth Bale. So you gotta win MLS Cup now, right? That's always our intention. Our, our, this club even, and this is in January, I'm not saying this in summer because, um, again, credit to the team, they've started well, we have started well. That's always our ambition, is to win here. And we came off a disappointing season results-wise 
last year. I think the year before we had Champions League and and a good run there, but in the league did not perform exactly as as we wanted. But we are aware of that. I think our task coming out of those two years is to learn and apply those learnings as to what we needed. And I think the new additions in January have really helped. I speak very highly of the, of the new players and how they came into the group. And that's the plan again, is we have the ability and, and managed our budget and our roster in a way that we have the ability to add now, but now we're just adding these building blocks. And I think we have a really strong foundation as to how we've set our, set our year up. And yes, our intention absolutely is to win MLS Cup. So Seb's going regional here. He's going MLS Cup. I'd like to go further. The Seattle Sounders just lifted a CONCACAF Champions League. You guys came very close, losing to Tigres. An amazing run, eliminating three other Liga Mekis teams. That's got to be the goal for you guys now. I mean, you want to see Giorgio Chiellini. You want to see Gareth Bell in the CONCACAF Champions League, right? Absolutely. So we, I'm glad you asked the question, Herc, is that we definitely want to be a part of the global conversation, but we have to win Champions League first. We did come close, and, that, and, and I don't want to take anything away from that achievement, but we finished second. We didn't win it, and that still pains us in this organization. Anybody that was there that night against Tigres, it's like PTSD every time it comes up. So we want to put that right, and in order to get there, we need to win this year. And so that is absolutely the first step to achieving that longer-term aim. All right, John, we've taken up a lot of your time already. I know it's very, very busy, so go finish up those calls you got to make and maybe a few more transfers before the window shuts. Thanks again. All right, thanks, guys. Pleasure to be with you. There he is, John Thornton, general manager of LAFC. We got MLS next Friday. Mark your calendars. Could it be the Bale Chiellini debuts? July 8th, Friday night on ESPN, El Tráfico, LAFC, and the LA Galaxy. All right, Herc, lots to pick out from that interview with John Thornton. What stood out to you? I think you made it very clear. Um, you said, hey, he only played this many games with Real Madrid. People questioned his club uh, resume last year. And he was like, all right, how many players in Major League Soccer would play that many games with Real Madrid? I think it's, it's a valid statement. You're mm -hmm. still getting a very good player. Yep. Uh, I was struck by the ambition, one, you know, when he's talking about CONCACAF Champions League, but also the, the team that they're building. I was on ESPN FC the other day. I called it a, a super team. I mean, they're, they're clearly stepping it up a notch. So I think I was taken back by that. And then I was taken aback by his, his confidence, which I guess comes with ambition. But um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of doubt here. And I wonder if some of that hurt comes back to the way this contract is structured. Um, the bail contract specifically, I don't really see a lot of risk in it from a timing thing. He's going to be very, very committed right now because he's got to be in shape for the World Cup. Then you're really only exposed for a few months at the beginning of next year. Look, if after the World Cup he wants to retire, you're on the books for not, not DP money, TAM money for the beginning of 2023, and then you just cut ties. Yeah. So so where's the risk here for, for LAFC? I, I think it's, it's really it's um, minimal. a win-win. It's minimal because uh, the person or the player assuming or I should say the one assuming all the risk is the player it's Gareth Bell himself it's a World Cup year uh, people question his will his mentality uh, his wanting to be there is motivation uh, he's got the World Cup coming up with Wales you're going to Major League Soccer which most would assume is a step down I mean it's a huge upside for LAFC it's a huge gamble roll of dice for Gareth Bell but if you're John Thorington, if you're LAFC, this is a win-win for you. Yeah, absolutely. Really like it from the LAFC perspective. Herc, what about the MLS perspective? And I want to call in a quote from Don Garber. This is not from like a decade ago, Herc. No, this was from ancient times, uh, March, so three months ago. Quote, we don't need to bring in a big name player at the end of their career because they've decided they'd like to retire in MLS. Uh, Herc, what do you make of it? Does the bail signing here contribute to Major League Soccer's retirement league image concerns you're a sneaky fella you, you took that neymar quote when he was trying to bash neymar and you, you're trying to make it fit in here i, I see what you're doing but, but let's be honest seb he's 32 years old that's by no means 36 37 years old and you're really questioning what he has in the tank and just take a look at the resume take a look at the resume i'm convinced what happened at real madrid the last year is a marriage that was on his last leg. It needed to end, and that's what happened. But you look at him when healthy. You look at him when he's really 
on the field and he gets going. There are a few like him. His last year in the English Premier League, uh, the man hit double-digit goals. Uh, he played 30-something games between uh, league play, cups, and what have you, Europa League as well. It's a good signing. You saw what he did to Austria. You saw what happened in the Ukraine. You saw, you, you get to see where he's going to be this winter at the World Cup. It just makes sense. There are only a handful of teams in my mind in the world that would say no to Gareth Bale at this price. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, as a TAM deal, you got to be crazy, right? I get I get where this is going to be, you know, from a from a narrative standpoint, difficult, because what is Gareth Bale best known for at this point? Golf, which is synonymous with retirement. And, and you know that the questions about motivation are, are going to follow him to this league. So I definitely think from a global perspective, it's it's going to further that reputation. But I would just always fall back on this. Who cares? MLS is not a teenager anymore. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world thinks about you. MLS is almost 30. And Herc, let's be honest. Some of the highlights in the last few years, maybe you could say the best MLS has offered us, are the retirement players. Yeah. My top moment of the last half decade is Zlatan. Sorry. It is. And if you think about this week, I mean, this weekend we're celebrating Wayne Rooney's golasso from half field that he scored for DC United. So that's another player you would say was coming in in retirement. A guy who... Most said was coming to retire was David Beckham, and he changed the complexion of the league. He was a before and after of this league. So say what you want. The league has always been propped up by the big star player, and it's been a while. It has been a while since we have said there are star players in Major League Soccer. It's good to see them back. Uh, bottom line, Herc, here, what does your gut tell you? Is this going to be a bombazo or is this going to be a bust? I mean, Bust has to assume that you take a lot of the risk. I, I think it's closer to the Slatan side of posting up good numbers than it is to the absolute failure side. He's just got so many intangibles. If I had to bet right now, just with the type of player he is when healthy, I think he'd do a lot of highlight real damage in this league. Yo, can I, I think it's a bombazo, and I think it's a bombazo that's going to last. You, you would know more about this, but you, you said an unhappy marriage at Real Madrid. Uh, this is a guy who I think is going to be happy in Los Angeles. And you mentioned his age. He's only 32, right? Um, we're looking at this here. Let's say the next year goes well. And you re-up him as a designated player for 18 months. You could get Gareth Bale from 32 to 34, who's trying to extend his international career for the European Championships in 2024. You could get a supremely motivated player. And again, to your point, we're not talking about post-35. We're talking about in their early 30s. So I, I think even if, you, even if it was a huge risk, I would still say it's going to be a bombazo. But, but when you factor in the amount of money being spent, I think it's, a, it's an obvious, obvious win for LAFC, and it's, it's going to be a success. When we talk about money spent, though, there's a lot more money being spent in Toronto. I don't know if you saw this today. Lorenzo Insigne was introduced today in a, in a very, very flashy outfit, Herc. I wonder if you borrowed it out of your closet. 15 million is the reported salary uh, for Lorenzo Insigne over a four-year deal. So a way bigger commitment there for Toronto FC. Bale Insigne for what's left of 2022. Who do you think is going to be a bigger impact? Uh, Christian Bale. Uh, Christian Bale. Gareth Bale, excuse me. <laughs> You're in Hollywood mode. I am Batman. <laughs> uh, Gareth Bale, without a doubt, just on paper, look at his team. Look what he has around him. Look where they are. Look how they're functioning. He's going into a situation where he's going to be set up to succeed. I don't know what Lorenzo Insigne is going to expect out of Bob Bradley's team right now. This team, who's definitely in a rebuild mode. So if you're asking me to bet, I would bet the chips on Gareth Bell. And going really quickly, briefly, these things that you said about being motivated, the age, retirement league, I heard these same things with Carlos Vela. I heard these same things with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Both players had some very, very good years, historic years in Major League Soccer. And don't Real do that, quick, producer. If Lorenzo Insigne <laughs> was going to LAFC, what would you say then? If they were both going to the same team, who would you rather have? Uh, Money's even. Probably, probably Lorenzo only because Insigne only because <laughs> this is, might be a problem. When you look at the profile of Gareth Bell, right winger likes to cut into his left foot, a very good left foot, good at dribbling 1v1, set piece specialist. They already have that in Carlos Vela. So I kind of wonder where things will fit there. But listen, it's still a very good player. All right, I think we've given LAFC uh, enough showtime here. No, in Football America. Passion, drive, and patience. 
The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's get to the rest of Major League Soccer. The good, bad, and ugly from the weekend that was. Why don't we start in the Lone Star State. Paul Ariola, seven goals in seven MLS games. He is red hot. FC Dallas, a 2-2 draw with Austin on Saturday. That does not surprise me because all you had to do is get out of D.C. <laughs> That's pretty much all this man had to do to start tearing up is get out of D.C. And what was that dumpster fire under Hernan Lozada? He's doing well right now. He's playing in a system that's very much like his country, very much like Greg Berhalter exploits or, or tries to play. And look, he's doing well. D.C. United is already in the rundown for the bad here. You didn't need to kill them while we were talking about Paul Ariola being good for FC Dallas, okay? That's just, it's a little too much. No I had to watch D.C. United live already. Let's give uh, Paul Ariola his minute here. Uh, as far as the World Cup is concerned, Herc, do you think he's going to make the squad? No doubts in my mind he'll make the squad. I mean, play the man here. Uh, under Greg Berhalter, he's one of the players that's gotten a lot of looks and actually has been very productive. He's only behind Christian Pulisic in goals and assists combined. <laughs> not Weston McKinney, not Ricardo Pepe, not Jesus Ferreira, not Brendan Aronson. Goals and combined, only Christian Pulisic. Uh, you, you can't just say this is the pool of players and this is what they've done for me and think Greg Berhalter is not going to take them. You, now, whether fans like that or not, whether people think it's just or not, whatever the case may be, he's a player that under Greg Berhalter is doing well with points, yeah. with goals scored and assists. If, if it was a 23-man roster instead of a 26-man roster, I think it'd probably be a pretty fair question because there are other right wings I think we would agree are ahead of him, right? Pulisic, Aronson, Weah, at least, right? So, so, so you got those three. Um, let me spin this question to you in a similar way that we did when we talked about Luca Della Torre, right? You were, you were sure he was going to make the team, but you were also 99.99% sure he would start in Qatar. What role do you see for Ariola at the 2022 World Cup? Could he be a starter? In one of those three games, yeah, he could probably be a starter. I think more of a change of pace guy uh, coming off the bench for sure, certainly. Now, you mentioned Brendan Aarons, and I, I think Greg Berhalter likes to get cute with things, and he has his player profiles. He's as a player who's a strictly a, a left winger, a player who's strictly a right winger. And the thing with uh, Paul Ariola is we've seen him in a line of five play as a right back. So when you start going to player 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, mm. those are important decisions for a coach who is plurifunctional for you. Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, well, Paul Ariola can only really play right wing. He can't play both wings, but he can play right wing back if you do go um, to a back five, something we've definitely seen him do quite a bit for club and country. All right, speaking of Paul Ariola, his former team, as you mentioned, DC United. Yes, they are the focus of the bad this week. Uh, Herc, I was live at this game, DC United oh. losing 3-1 against Nashville, uh, and Andy Nahar with a whiff. What in the Sebastian Salazar of shots is this? Wait a second. When I played on this field, I scored, buddy. <laughs> Do not take a shot at Andy Nahar like that. It's good to see nah. him back there and fit. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, this one hurts because Andy is probably my favorite player on DC United. Maybe one of my favorite DC United players of all time. The ultimate homegrown kid that went uh, overseas. So if you're a DC soccer fan, there is hope, though, because Alex Ovechkin can apparently score. Oh, wait. Look at that. Left footer, too. Got a little left-footed magic in him. Listen, why can't all DC players be like this DC idol? Uh, can apparently find the back of the net with his foot as well. Maybe DCU can sign him. Haven't won since May 7th. OV, the great, might help. To the ugly, the wild ending between New York City and the Philadelphia Union, which saw, among other things, her Philadelphia athletic trainer Paul Rushing red-carded for this dust-up with New York City FC players. Uh, Herc, impromptu edition of Are You Cool With It? The trainer getting tossed. No, no, I'm not cool with it. 
Like, why is he fist bumping people on the way out? Come on. What is this? Acevedo, Tati Castellanos. They're just trying to figure out what's going on. He had to be restrained by Jacob Glessness. Like, this is crazy to me. Yep. Union uh, went on to win the game by a final score of 2-1. to one. It was crazy in the end. Just madness. But, uh, yeah, the big story is the athletic trainer sent off, which got us thinking, Herc. Uh, of all the red cards that you've witnessed, uh, either live or, or on television, is there a red card that's weirder than this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, one that recently came to mind is uh, Clint Dempsey with the Seattle Sounders. It was a U.S. Open Cup game. That got out of hand very quickly. Uh, long story short, the Seattle Sounders ended this game with seven players, but it went to overtime. And in one of these, when Clint Dempsey's kind of trying to plead his case with the referee, the referee drops his note, but Clint Dempsey like picks it up and rips it. So he's gonna rip it right there, you're gonna see. Take it out of his hand, he's gonna rip it, and all of a sudden, he's gonna pick up the red card. Uh, mm. The Seattle Sounders ended the game with seven players. The referees had to be escorted out by police. They had to be protected by police. That's how crazy this guy, you don't want to see Clint angry, I'll tell you that much. That, that, <laughs> that green isn't really that color <laughs> until Clint wears it. It was one of the most bizarre scenes I'd ever seen, and I think Clint Dempsey just until recently finally got off that suspended list in Open Cup. Yeah, I think it was this year that he finally got cleared from the uh, from the long-term Open Cup suspension list. So, uh, so crazy story there. Uh, to the point about whether we were cool with the trainer getting tossed. You know who was cool with it? Who? Philadelphia Union head coach Jim Curtin. Let me read you the oh. quote. I have no problem with it. If anything, it gave our crowd a little bit of a spark. Paulie is the best. He'll stick up for our guys. So there you go. Uh, Jim Curtin, no problem with his trainer standing up for the Union against New York City. FC. We got MLS on TV Wednesday. Six games available for you on ESPN+. Plus. Among them, LA Galaxy against Minnesota. Also on Wednesday, the last quarterfinal of the Open Cup. Orlando and Nashville, all on ESPN+. Plus. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Joining us now on Football Americas, Vladko Andonovsky, the manager of the U.S. Women's National Team. His first appearance here on the show. Vladko, great to have you with us. Great being here, Savvy. Looking forward uh, to talking to you. I know you're in an air-conditioned room right now, which is good because you're in Salt Lake City ahead of uh, tomorrow's game again against Colombia. And I know it's going to be a, a hot one, so you better be ready. Let's, let's talk about that Colombia game, the, the first match. You win 3-0, but all three goals come in the second half. As you look at it overall... How do you feel about the performance? I actually feel good uh, about the performance, and not just uh, the performance, but I, I also feel good about the approach uh, of the of the of the team or the way they approach the game, because uh, when uh, when you're uh, tied on halftime, you know the the panic button sometimes uh, is uh, goes on, and uh, you feel like uh, you know you have to change something, you have to do something different. But uh, I actually felt good how. Uh, how we played in the first half and uh, all we needed is just a little more spark in the second half uh, which uh, ultimately led to a uh, few goals. You know games like these were always kind of grasping at straws trying to take headlines. One of the things that obviously like I think a lot of people were talking about after the game are the the missed penalties. As a coach how much do you think about that and how important is it with an elimination tournament where you might find yourself in a penalty shootout coming up? 
Yes, uh, absolutely. We, we thought about it. We, we we're thinking about it going forward. And uh, we do have a lot of analysis that we do. We, we have a data uh, backing, uh, going back uh, days, months, years. And uh, the reason why we had those players take uh, take the penalty is because of uh, how they showed in training so far. But uh, going forward, I don't think anything is going to change. Uh, we believe that uh, you know both Lindsay and Rose are great shooters. Obviously, you know we have other players that can, that can take penalties uh, as well. But uh, we we do uh, do believe that uh, that uh, even though we miss those, that uh, these are good penalty kick takers. And uh, when the game is on the line, they're going to do well. And I'll just add on it. I mean, last time. We saw Rose take a penalty in a national team game uh, was uh, in the Olympics uh, when it really mattered, and uh, she did a great job. Uh, another of the big storylines coming out of the Columbia game was just the, the change in performance from first half to second half. You did make a couple subs at the break. One of them that I think really grabbed a lot of attention is Ashley Sanchez. She's a player that, you know, you don't have to know anything about soccer. You watch her, and she's just fun to watch. She's trying things. She's, she's doing moves. But she was really impactful in that second half. As a coach, I'm, I'm sure it's a, one of those good problems. But what do you do with Ashley Sanchez? It feels at this point like you got to find ways to get her on the field. Yes, uh, Ashley, I thought she, she did a very good job. Gave us the little spark that I was talking about from uh, that we needed between uh, the first and the second half. And instead of panicking, is we stayed the course, but uh, added uh, a little flair to, to the game. And uh, it was great. Uh, she did uh, help us uh, changing the game. Now, going forward, uh, we'll see Ashley Sanchez on the field, uh, how much and uh, in what uh, or in what capacity. Uh, we still don't know, but uh, she's one of uh, one of those young players that we saw as a project uh, early on uh, after the Olympics that uh, we wanted to invest in and wanted to see in the camp. We wanted to see in the environment as much as possible and in the same time give her as much minutes as possible. Uh, Vleko, what about up top? You know, uh, a month ago it seemed like you had a race between Alex Morgan and Katarina Macario. Of course, Macario gets hurt. We saw both Morgan and Hatch uh, in the game against Colombia over the weekend. Uh, how are you looking at that position as you get ready for the tournament? I, I mean, uh, the way I look at it is uh, I'm, uh, we're happy with what we have. And uh, we know that uh, regardless of who's on the field, we're gonna uh, we're gonna be strong. We're gonna we're gonna have good player. We're gonna have a goal scorer on the field, uh, and uh, we'll be able to provide it for us. How important is it for you just to have seen what you've seen so far from Alex Morgan at the NWSL level? You know, that's a player that you're counting on now, and who has really, really performed well in league. Yes, uh, I first I have to say I'm so proud of Alex. I mean. Uh, uh, coming out of, coming out of the Olympics, uh, I don't think she was in the best form uh, of her life, and then uh, not being called in uh, in uh, few camps uh, after that, it's not easy. It's not easy for a, for a player of her caliber, for a name and reputation that she has. But uh, in the same time, that shows uh, the quality or. Uh, who Alex Morgan is, she, she's not just gonna accept it and uh, and run away. In, in fact, she said, okay, I need what I need to do, you got it. And you know, just shows the, the resilience, the, shows the grit, the competitiveness that, that she has. And uh, besides all the other quality uh, as, a, as a player uh, on the field. You know, anybody who watched NWSL so far this season couldn't question you calling up Alex Morgan. If you've watched the NWSL, you haven't, we haven't really seen a lot of Megan Rapino. I'm curious what went into to that decision to, to call her up. And obviously we saw her come on late in the game against Columbia. And man, there was that, that free kick where uh, it's just that bit of magic that she seems to have. Yes, uh, it's interesting. And I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit more on uh, Megan and why she came in because uh, I, I got this question a couple of times in the in the press conferences, uh, and I never really got into uh, how the, the what the process was. So, first and foremost, to to be fair to Megan, okay, she came out of Olympics, which I thought were, were good Olympics for Megan. Obviously, in the in the medal game, scores two unbelievable goals and uh, and helps us win the medal. Goes into the league right after that and and tears it up. I thought she had great uh, end of the season last year and she gets injured. So now it's not fair for uh, for me to not to call someone after having great performance in the Olympics, great performance in the league and getting injured uh, and say, oh, you know, sorry, you got injured. You're not, you're not going back because we know what she can do. We know what she's capable of. Uh, I had a conversation with her and, and, and uh, it was very clear. Get fit, get ready, okay? Be able to play minutes 
you're going to be back. So, so the first thing is Megan is here, obviously, because she can perform. And like you said, we saw what Megan is capable of. In, in 20 minutes of the game, she just brings something different to us. You know, assist on a goal, you know, free kick. Uh, she got behind a, a couple of times. So that, that's, that's what she's good at. But on top of that, Megan has qualities that very, very few players in this environment uh, have, or very few players uh, in the in the league have, uh, and that that's her leadership qualities, all the, you know, the the experience that she has, and uh, the ability to handle uh, adversity, the ability to handle pressure and stress, is. Uh, is uh, tremendous so those qualities are super important for us with the group that we have right now if the group was uh, somewhat similar to what we had in the olympics maybe the the, the decisions would have been different but uh with players like we mentioned ashley sanchez we mentioned uh, we know mallory pew uh, sophie smith trinity rodman uh emily fox alana cook i mean these are young players that need Megan Rapino or players like Megan Rapino to, to help them out. Because as much as you want to say these are great players and every game they're going to tear it up, we know that's not the reality. They're going to have a bad half. They're going to have a bad shot. They're going to have a bad game. And this is where players like Megan come in, come in the picture to help them go through this uh, tough time and uh, allow them to grow in the process. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. So Megan Rapino in the squad, um, but there's a player in the case of Kristen Press who a lot of fans are curious about. Obviously, she has the injury not available for the tournament, but in your press conference, you mentioned, you know, she wasn't in your list even before the injury. I'm curious what went into that decision because we did see her playing well in the NWSL uh, as well earlier this year. Absolutely. I thought Kristen uh, had a great start of the season and uh, she she's great player we know that uh, uh, nobody is denying that but in same time if you look at the number of the players that are, that are on the uh, on the squad uh, or oh, sorry number of the forwards that are on the squad for Kristen to, uh, to go in someone had to be out and uh, we just uh, we just felt like the, the players that she was competing against uh, uh, were a little bit uh, were a little bit better at this moment and uh, we decided to go with Mel Pugh and So Smith and uh, Trinity and Alex and Pino ahead of her. But overall, how do you feel about your attack? You know, there was a, there was a dry spell at the Olympics. There's been some games since, you know, the first half we could look at against uh, Colombia where the team couldn't break through. And yet you just rattled off a list of players who are, have so much firepower. A lot of whom are playing very well at club level right now. Uh, as you head into this tournament, how do you feel about, about that attack going forward? I'm actually excited. I think that this attack, uh, uh, especially some of the younger players, are, are the future of this country, regardless of whether they scored a goal in first half uh, against Colombia or not, uh, regardless of how they perform or who is on the field in the, in the next game. Okay, the, there, there's a group of players here that, that will be the future of this country, and uh, I don't think I'm saying anything new or I don't think I'm saying something that uh, m most of the people or, or everyone can see, that uh, they have quality, they have potential, and uh, they, can, uh, they, they can perform at the uh, top level. Vlatko, speaking of stars, I don't know if you saw it, it just came out today, ESPN FC, their top 50 players uh, in the world list. There's only actually one American listed in the top 10, it's Katarina Macario uh, at number six. What do you make of that? I mean, this the, we, the United States is the defending world champions. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't seen the list, and 
you know, I am surprised, but not surprised because uh, there are so many good players around the world. And the uh, United States uh, didn't win individual uh, uh, award in the World Cup. They won a team award, and that's what makes the that's what makes us uh, special. Uh, I think that uh, we're a great team. I think that. Uh, that uh, uh, as a team we perform well and uh, as a team this team has performed well and uh, even though they're not top 10 players uh, as a team i still believe we are the best 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify <laughs> shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, so that was part one of our interview with U.S. Women's National Team Manager Vladko Andonovsky. Part two on Thursday's show where we will preview the upcoming World Cup qualifiers. And there you see uh, Vladko's very impressive resume. All right, Herc, not unlike John Thorrington, lots to pick at from that interview with Vladko Andonovsky. Anything standing out to you? Um, I'll, I'll start with the last part first. Only one U.S. Uh, women's National Team player in that top ten. Uh, mm. that, that does blow my mind. I know where he's trying to go about the individual awards and how that means they have a stronger team, but that tells me the rest of the world has caught up. That tells me that being a women's American player isn't quite what it used to be in the global game. Uh, that, mm. that, that gap has, has now uh, shortened. It's not as wide or as uh, big as, as one would have thought in the past. And, and Megan Rapino, it, it, it's crazy to me that... He brings her back because he values her, but more of a mentorship, leadership type of role. Um, I don't know how Megan feels about that. I myself as a player, if I'm being brought in for that, I'm starting to think like maybe, well, this means this is it for me. Mm. I'm in my latter days. I'm seeing the sunset. And as a competitor, I never want to see that. And the moment I see that, it, and I feel I can't contribute to the ability or to the best that I can, is the moment that I, or, or many have said, I step aside. Oh, what about the young player's perspective? Is there some maybe validity to, the, to what he says there? That, Absolutely. That this young group of players oh, yeah. needs Megan Rapinoe? I don't know about needs, but there's value to having a Megan Rapinoe there uh, for the players, for the young players. I don't know if there's value for Megan to be there if you're mm. not going to be the player that you've always been. But for the young players, absolutely. A wealth of experience, uh, how they hold her in high regard, uh, the, the things you could learn from her, et cetera, et cetera. It makes sense for the young players. I don't know if it makes sense for Megan Rapinoe. All right, our next chance to see the U.S. women and Megan Rapinoe tomorrow night from Rio Tinto Stadium in Sandy, Utah. Herc, a stadium I know that you know quite well from your days in Major League Soccer. It's the U.S. against Columbia, 10 p.m. Eastern start, Eastern time start. Coverage on ESPN. I'll be on the call with Julie Foudy. Don't miss it. The last tune-up for World Cup qualifying. Herc. I don't know if you caught this, ESPN FC releasing its second annual list of the top 50 women's players in the world on Monday. Here's a look at the top 10. You remember in last year, uh, the number one player was Sam Uvis, the number one player this year, Alexia Puteas, of course, the Barcelona and Spain star. No surprise there. She was, after all, the Ballon d'Or winner. Uh, what is surprising here, Herc, is that, uh, as we mentioned in that interview with Vladko Andonovsky, just one American in the top 10, and it is Katarina Macario there at number six. Yeah, uh, Liga MX Femenil gets their uh, first top 10 player. Look at that, number eight right there, Hermoso. That's, that's something for them to hang their hat on. It, it, I will repeat, it does blow my mind, Seb. Uh, I know you were one of the people who voted yes. in this. Uh, you had zero Americans there, so that, you know, you had no <laughs> issue with that. Look at you trying to throw me under the bus to hashtag U.S. Women's National Team Twitter. Actually, I'm looking at my list now. I had three Americans in the top 10. Yeah. Lindsey Horan, Sam Mewis, and I had Alex Morgan in the top 10. Ooh. I had six Americans in the top 20. I had Lavelle at 15, Macario 17. I had Kristen Press in the top 20 as well. I had her 
uh, I think 19th or 20th. I can't really read my handwriting. So uh, who, who, who knows exactly where it is there. But uh, ESPN FC's top 50 players in the world. Make sure to check it out over on ESPN.com. So there we have it. ESPN FC's top 50 players in the women's game. And joining us to break it all down, a couple of the voters, Sophie Lawson and Kathleen McNamee. You can find their fine work over on ESPN. Dot com. Guys, great to have you with us. Let's take a quick look at the top 10 because that's where we're going to focus most of our conversation here today. Ada Hegerberg at number 10. Aitana Bonmati, number 9. Jenny Hermoso just made the big move to Liga Mekis at 8. Marie Antoinette Catoto, 7. Katarina Macario, 6. She's the only American on this list at number 6. Pernilla Harder, number 5. Caroline Graham Hansen, 4. Vivian Miedema, Sam Kerr, Alexia Puteas. That's your 3 2 1. Puteas, of course, the uh, Ballon d'Or winner. Kathleen, let's start fittingly, I think, uh, at number 1. Alexia won the Ballon d'Or. No reason that she wouldn't top this list, right? I wouldn't say no reason. I mean, she has won every single individual award, but if you were to look at it from a competitive perspective, which we always love to do, I think there are plenty of players that could have got that number one spot, but she's definitely a deserving winner. And I think what makes her deserving, it's not so much just what she does in terms of goal scoring, it's the it's everything else she does on the pitch. It's how she feeds the players around her. It's how she leads the team. You know, when, or when Barcelona were struggling, against Lyon in the Champions League final, she was one of the names that was consistently coming up and putting in a great performance when other players were struggling slightly. Um, so I think definitely deserving. You could make an argument for any of those top players for being number one, but I say this a lot. I think that the the legend that is growing around a player like her as well makes her extra special when it comes to getting the top of this rank. Sophie, she's one of four Barcelona players that made this top 10. Is that the right number or is it exaggerated? Considering, yes, they dominated Spain, but in the end, they didn't win the Champions League final. I mean, it depends who you ask. 10 could be the right number sometimes. Um, I, the Champions League final was, was, was one match. I think what they've done over the course of the season, they've... They've, they've more than earned those spots and, and, and you've just got so many world-class players and they just understand each other and play football in a way that we don't really see other, other teams do. And yeah, I think it, it feels about right, but that's maybe in just in my opinion, others might disagree. Kathleen, the only uh, American on this list is Katarina Makarish. She's in there at number six. It's a really impressive season with Leon, isn't it? Really impressive uh, to go into a Leon team that is so dominated, especially with attacking talent and to put in the numbers that she has and to raise herself above the parapet in the way she has is no mean feat at all. And for such a young player as well, you know, we're not talking about someone who's incredibly established, who has a glittering US Women's National Team career under her belt just yet. I, I think it is coming down the line, but it's not there just at this moment. For her to do that and dominate in the way she has is absolutely incredible and I think full credit to her because she's always been a name to watch and she's always been one of the players that we have said is going to be great someday but she hasn't taken any of that on you know she just seems to get on the pitch put her head down and do what she needs to do and I think looking into a World Cup year in particular, if it's worked out the best way to use her, then we're easily looking at a top three player next year. Mm, yeah, Sophie, I mean, it's difficult, right? When you talk about Katarina Makara, we of course have to factor in uh, the ACL injury, but still it's a player with a, a really remarkable trajectory. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, at the moment, we don't know if she'll be back in time for, for the World Cup, if what form she'll have, but we also know that US players have a lot of longevity. Um, they, they tend to just keep going, um, regardless of where they play um, and, or who they play for. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll see her um, in Australia, New Zealand. Maybe we won't, but I mean, if she keeps on, not even necessarily in this trajectory, just at this level, um, then she's yeah, she's going to be a name to we'll be we'll be talking about for years to come for for the national team for for whoever she plays for domestically. Yeah. Kathleen, in American soccer circles, what, what people are worried about is, is kind of the rest of the world catching up to the U.S. women's national team, which, you know, has, has obviously dominated for so long. If we look at this top 10, you could maybe see a representation of that. In last year's top 10, 
There's three American players, including the number one player, Sam Mewis. Uh, in this year's top 10, it's only Katarina Macario. Do you see that as a sign of, of the rest of the world catching up on the American game? I think the rest of the world has been catching up for a while, but I think you would be silly to totally discount the US. They have the benefit of years and years of experience. They have the benefit of the structures being there for years and years. I think what you see with a list like this is we've had a major tournament in the Olympics and a US team that didn't really perform there, but is that the US team that we're going to see in a year's time at the World Cup? Probably quite different as well. So I think more than the rest of the world catching up, which has been happening for a while, this is just more uh, representation of the US being in flux. And, you know, even the NWSL, it's still kind of finding its feet after everything that happened last season with it. And like players are getting back to completely focusing on the football that they're playing and completely ha not having all the distractions that there were off the field, which were incredibly draining for them, I can only imagine. So I think what this list is, is yes, the rest of the world catching up, but definitely not the US like falling away. As Sophie was saying earlier, the longevity that the US players tend to have the fact that they are able to keep this constant stream of top players coming through means that they're going to be up there for the next few years. They they might not be the absolute dominant power that they were, but they're definitely not going to float away into non-existence. Sophie, let's leave people on a positive note then. Then think next year, give me a young American that you see maybe is most likely to be, be in this top 10 list. Just one. Um, Just one. Uh, Ashley Sanchez. Uh, I think she, she's been uh, fantastic when she's played this season. Uh, we've seen some really good stuff for her uh, when she's played for the national team. She she's just an exciting player to watch has fun on the, on, on the ball has fun on the pitch um yeah definitely going to be breaking in to to, to hope, yeah hopefully the top 10 but definitely going to be around sophie lawson kathleen McNamee, guys thanks so much for joining us here on football americas and we continue to look forward to your work on espn.com great stuff once again, it's ESPN FC's top 50 players in the world. You've seen the top 10 for the complete list. Head over to ESPN.com. Speaking of the women's game, Copa Angelina, what is it? We're about to tell you. Angel City and the Mexican women's national team, Herc, are announcing a new multi-year partnership that'll see the two teams face off in a true club versus country showdown. We're going to see it September 5th on Labor Day at Bank of California Stadium. Hurt, you got your tickets yet? Let's go! I need my tickets. I'm still waiting for my shirt. Still waiting for my jersey. But I will take tickets as well. Hey, man, maybe we'll get a uh, El Tri Femenina shirt before we get our Angel City shirt. At this rate, who, who knows? We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Uh, how about this, Herc? U.S. Men's National Team Manager Greg Berhalter made a guest appearance on the Gab and Jules show. They had a long conversation, about 30, 40 minutes. Uh, it's a really good listen. You should definitely download the podcast. Gab asked all the important questions. You'll be happy to know. He asked how to spell Greg Berhalter's name. Are there really three Gs in it? Um, but there was something very, very interesting that came out of the conversation, dug out by our crack production team. Let's listen in to what caught their attention. Obviously, with, with Gio, with Pulisic, you're talking about kids who went over to Europe very, very young. There's a school of thought that also says that for many players, maybe it's best, maybe it was right for them, but for others, maybe it's best if they stay in MLS and progress. Some previous national team coaches before you were at pretty, thinking of Jurgen Klinsmann here, had fairly strong views that, you know, maybe MLS wasn't the right place for players to grow. What's, what, what's your general take here? I love this part of the conversation. Thank you for this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said, ask me anything, man. And, uh, no, seriously, I'm, I love it. And I'll tell you why. It's because it's simple to me. It's a really simple answer. 
you go to the highest level like you you play at the level until you're challenged and then you move to the next level until you're not challenged anymore and then you go to the next level and and if you keep doing that you're going to be okay like the issue becomes when you when you're still challenged at this level but you want to go to that level then you, there's going to be there's going to be problems and i think it's important to note and and we can talk about this is some of these recent transfers from mls they were too early you know you think about brian reynolds you know who's going to to roma you know look at him look at his development what happened to his development um you know there's you know george bello you can make the argument that he could have stayed longer and dominated in mls and then went when he was 20. so there's a number of guys that i'm just concerned that they're leaving too early because what mls is is an opportunity for young players to be on the field and that's valuable and when they're dominating when they're done when they're not getting challenged anymore at the mls level which may or may not happen now you move and you go on and i think that's that's a good way to look at it at any level right if you're playing in france and you're killing the french league okay now you go to the premier league you know it's it's not there's a no the thing about soccer it's a it's a normal like food chain right it's really simple you go you just keep graduating these leagues until you're in the premier league basically or you're at a top club in in another country but why do you think then some of them maybe don't just take an extra season or two in mls and are, are too eager maybe to leave for europe too quickly I think opportunity, um, the opportunities in front of them and um, they say, okay, now is my time. Uh, you know, this may never come again. I think that could be part of it. Um, the other part of it could be financial. Mm. You know, if um, you know, a young player's on his first contract in Major League Soccer, you know, he's making 150, 200 grand and he's offered all of a sudden a million dollars a year. It's a different equation, mm. right, for the player. So there's a number of different factors. But again, that's, I think it's short-term thinking. I, I think the the way to look at it is is this level too easy for me if the answer is yes you, you got to move on and, and keep progressing if the answer is no you know may, keep working you know keep staying in an environment where you can keep progressing where you're playing every week right because that's important games are are massive for these young kids and then you can move on after that you know the other thing i'd say is like in in the case of ricardo pepe And, and Augsburg, I know, is a stable club. And one of the things I told him going there is, listen, you're going to have some stability with Augsburg, right? It's not the Munich where there's so much pressure on you or, or the, you know, the glob box of, of the world. But, you know, when you look at the platform, he's got one option basically to play. You're playing Bundesliga games or you're not playing games, right? I think the, the, the reserve option in Germany isn't so strong yet. Yeah, and that's, and that's right. a problem for him. You know, his, the second team, I think, is in the fourth league, if that. You know, so th that's an issue there because he needs to look at how am I going to keep developing if I'm not in the field every day. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Herc, very interesting there. We've always been to the thought, right? As soon as you get the chance to leave MLS and go chase the big European dream, You got to go. Greg Berhalter's telling us there's a little bit more nuance to it than that. This guy's doing every show but ours. All right. Um, yeah, he mentioned the uh, food chain, right? Okay, fair. I get what you're trying to say with the food chain, but if you're trying to compare Major League Soccer to the highest European leagues, it's like trying to nutrient yourself. It's like trying to get stronger off of junk food when you have a superfood in front of you. It's development. I, I, mm. I think he's overhyping, overvaluing Major League Soccer right here and what they can do. I understand what you're saying, but what American player has dominated Major League Soccer? Think about it. Jossie Zardes has dominated Major League Soccer. Was he your national team answer? No. So what you want is these players at a young age going elsewhere to develop because that's what the rest of the world does don't overvalue major league soccer i know what you're trying to say there's a process to everything but this is a big give me a break here for me you want the players as early as possible as quick as possible to get to the highest level and to be in that environment it strengthens you for everything that's going on right now with ricardo pepe and you 
gave him advice. You told him it would be a good place for him. For everything that's happening, the sink or swim can't help him. Being mm. in Major League Soccer, being in FC Dallas, amongst other kids where it doesn't matter if you win, it won't matter if you lose, isn't going to benefit him. He may play, he may be happy, but it's not like fighting for your spot. It's not like having the knife in between your teeth and really having a cutthroat environment where you have to prove yourself day in and day out. That's where I differ with him. Didn't we kind of hear this from Jurgen Klinsmann on our show, specifically talking about Ricardo Pepe and, and, and the fact that there could be a negative to a move to Europe? It's funny because during the interview, as he's naming all the other guys, Brian Reynolds and George Bella, who are you know pretty far on the periphery of the national team, the alarm that's going off in my head is, are you really talking about Pepe? Is this really about Pepe? And then, of course, at the end, he gets to it. And he is talking about Ricardo Pepe. Because if you look at the players that matter to Greg Berhalter, the player who he's lost, who has suffered the most for an ill-timed move, or maybe not an ill-timed move, but the wrong location in terms of Augsburg, or maybe the Bundesliga, as Berhalter points out, is Pepe. He had a number nine when he was at FC Dallas, and he has lost that player now. Yeah, the caveat there is when Jurgen Klinsmann came here, he wasn't saying don't go to Europe. He's just saying be careful where you go in a World Cup year. That's the important thing here. It's a World Cup year, and it's not a summer World Cup. It's a winter World Cup. So what you choose to do right now will impact you, yes, for said World Cup. But Ricardo Pepe was on this exact show, and he told us that Greg Berhalter was influential in that decision. Yeah, it's, it's moving in a World Cup year, but it's also choosing the right place to move no matter where, right? Because even in a World Cup year or not a World Cup year, you can still get it wrong. And, and maybe that's the case for a guy like Brian Reynolds, who ends up at Roma under Jose Mourinho. I don't think that's where anybody thought that, that he would develop well. I think we said that here uh, on this show. Let's turn our attention, Herc, to Liga MX, which, yes, is still in preseason mode, but that doesn't mean we can't hand out some trophies. The Supercopa Final over the weekend. Featuring the two, the last two champions of Mexican soccer, Cruz Azul. And at that's 32nd minute. Rebound here falls for Santi Jimenez. That's a bad miss, Hurt. Yeah, it's a bad miss. I think it deflects off of one of his own players right there, actually. But look at this. Oh, <laughs> Emma Aguilera. Little nice freak. That's his first goal in an Atlas jersey. And it's a beauty. The free kick there makes it 1 0 Atlas. Second half corner kick. Santi Jimenez not going to miss this one. He's not going to miss that. And you need to see a rejuvenated Santi Jimenez, a, a, a Santi Jimenez with confidence. And then look at this, Seb. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. What happened there? Jimenez almost an assist. Charlie, que pasó? And some pinball madness. Angel Romero going to make it 2-1. Better late than never. Uh, fans were asking themselves, where was this Romero last season? It's a beautiful diving header. And we got a game, 2-1. Corner kick late. Camilo Vargas is up there. Julian Quinones makes it 2-2. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The producer just said, Cruz Azul Yarod. And that's what it looks like. Ball crosses the line. It's Jurado in net. It's not Corona. We're going to penalties. Mm. Juan Escobar steps up. His shot saved. Edison Flores Aye. off the underside of the crossbar. Hey, what about Santiago Jimenez? He's got it, right? Uh, does he? Camilo. Camilo Vargas just jumps over this one. And no, 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 Quinones. No, no, Julian. Oh. Oh, no. It's one thing to miss. It's another thing to miss that. My goodness. Cruz Azul then uh, avoids the Cruz Azul yada as they win the trophy on penalties. The SPI, here's what they're telling us about the upcoming Apertura campaign. Rayados getting the best bet to win at 21%. The season starts this Friday, July 1st. Cannot wait. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. We will be back on Thursday with part two of our interview with Vladko Andonovsky as we take a full look ahead to the CONCACAF W Championship. Someday on some edition of this show, I will tell you why Hercules Gomez is pointing at his watch. But you'll have to wait. July Two and 17th. and a half weeks. Seb. July 17th. Put it on your calendars. Yeah.